Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. This is Pete Vecchi, and I am one of the associate pastors at West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. Today joining us are Mick Wells, who is co-host of the Cross Connection radio program. He's also a songwriter. And also with us is Steve Wilson. He's a Christian author with a Master of Divinity from United Theological Seminary. Gentlemen, I welcome you to the program today, and we're going to be discussing the question, what does it mean to believe? In the Bible, we've had uh, Jesus talk about believing in him. People talk about believing in Jesus. People talk about believing in God. But one of the things that uh, has come across to me at times, people have questioned it, is what does it really mean to believe? We have two different scriptures today that we're going to be uh, focusing on, at least at first. And the first one is in John 3.16. I'm going to go ahead and read that one right now. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Whoever believes in the Son shall not perish and have everlasting life. Now I'm going to focus on that for just this moment, but at the same time, the Bible says something a little bit different in the book of James when it comes to belief. Chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. Mick, would you share that with us? Sure, Pete. This is from the NIV, and the Word tells us, Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Okay, so the demons believe. Yeah. But I don't think that they're necessarily Christians. And I don't think that they're believing in the sense that uh, John 3.16 tells uh, followers to believe on uh, Jesus. And uh, can you elaborate a little bit about that, what you're thinking? Well, I, I think it's the difference between acknowledging a concept um, and actually believing on something, because when you read John 3.16, first of all, uh, the Bible tells us that God sent his one and only Son, okay? And I think that's important context for the, the issue of believing on. To believe on is is inherently to believe that, yes, Jesus is God's Son, His only begotten, His one and only, depending on what translation that you're reading. And so you have to believe who Jesus really is and put trust and faith in Him. I think that's all inherent, inherent in the concept of believing on rather than just to believe that, okay, Jesus existed. They may not. Somebody may not believe that Jesus was uh, God in the flesh. Um, they may question a number of things about uh, Jesus' divinity. But I think when you read John three sixteen in its entire context, we're saying it's more than just to believe in a name. I mean, let's face it. There's a lot of people in this world who, if they believe that. Uh, eternity exists and you can spend it in one place or the other, they would say most anything to stay out of the bad place. But that's different 
just saying it, a repetition like an open sesame is different than believing on, which means that you acknowledge that Jesus is God's son and what he did for us that we couldn't do for ourselves and to put their faith and trust in him as opposed to just mouthing some words. Right, because God isn't like a, a magic genie who you say, you know, open sesame. Isn't that kind of how you said it? Or I think so, but unfortunately I think there are people that actually believe that just by mouthing the words that they have uh, their eternity secured with God and with Jesus in heaven. Steve, I think that you shared something with me a little earlier today um, about belief. Is there something that you'd like to add to what Mick was just saying? When I look at Scripture, I like to um, kind of pick it apart and go phrase by phrase. And in John three fifteen, the verse uh, before this, it says, everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And we have eternal life in him. Uh, we're not just believing that he's the son of God. We're not just believing that he died for our sins, but we're believing uh, that he was necessary to our salvation, that he's not just one way to get there. Uh, it's not just, if I'm a good person, I'll get there on my own. No, it's, it's only in him that we are saved. I think that's a great point, um, you know, because James is just as clear that, that the demons do believe, but they shudder. They believe in God. And, and I think, Mick, you shared a little bit about the idea of, of, of belief has more to do with than just that assent of, oh, yeah, I believe in God, or Steve, as you said, I believe in Jesus. You know, what do you believe in him? One of the things that I've always liked to share with people is the story I heard. Uh, it was an illustration. It's actually a true story. I can't remember what pastor said it over all the years, but it was a, a missionary who had gone to a country where his um, ministry was to translate the Bible into this people's language. And it was a language that was not well known. He had to learn the language. And what we realized, or what he realized, I should say, is that there was no good word in that language for the abstract term of faith. You know, what is faith, really, when you think about it? How, how do you describe faith? And he said he got to this point in his Bible translation where he was struggling with this, literally sitting at the table, I'm thinking, struggling with this word, and he said... A man from that village or wherever it was came into the room at that exact same time, you know, coincidence, right? I think divine opportunity or, or however you want, appointment maybe would be the best way to say it, and said, man, I am so tired. Of course, he said this in his language. I am so tired. I am just going to lean my full weight on this chair. And all of a sudden, the man had the concept to understand what that word faith entailed. And I believe, I believe, here we go, I believe that the word believe has this aspect of, of faith to it, because you need to be able to set your full weight on Jesus. And that's part of what this means about believing. The demons who believe, 
they have this, if you want to call it a head knowledge, I don't know if, if, if demons have heads or, or brains or whatever, but they have this, this intellectual, I guess, knowledge would be the better way of putting it, that Jesus is God. I mean, they, they know much more about the spiritual world than we do. We don't see a lot of the things that, that the spirit world uh, has going on in it, but they know these things. They accept the fact that Jesus is God and they shudder. Why? Because they haven't trusted in him. Let me, let me add to that. Uh, uh, it's my understanding, Pete, that there's no provision in the divine plan for the salvation of demons. That's off limits. So when they believe that uh, Jesus existed, uh, they don't have that option of believing on Jesus for salvation. They're, the door is shut on them. That's an interesting, uh, interesting aspect to bring into that um, belief. It's an interesting concept. Um, was there something you shared with me earlier, Steve, also about this, um, about belief being an action rather than, um, it was from James, you shared it with me earlier. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Well, James says that faith without deeds is dead. Uh, meaning if you don't have action to back up your faith or to show that you're, you're uh, trusting in Jesus, you don't really have faith. Um, in other words, I can say, you know, hey, I believe that that stove is hot. But if I then go up to the stove and touch it and not expect to get burnt, I didn't really believe that the stove was hot. I might have uh, acknowledged the fact, but I didn't internalize it. I didn't fully understand it or grasp it or put it into any kind of practical application. So it's kind of like, if we say we believe in Jesus, if we lean on Jesus, if we trust in Jesus, if we have faith in Jesus, however we want to describe that, but it doesn't affect our life, we don't really believe it. So the aspect of belief is what you just said, and, and I agree with this 100%. The, the way that we live is going to be evidence of our belief. You know, do we walk around, walk around doing our own thing? Do we walk around and, and make Jesus, as we, we referred to it before, this, this genie who does this, this uh, does our bidding, basically, when we want something? Um, when, we, when we ask him for something, do we expect that he's just going to do our bidding because we say we believe in him? You know, it's kind of like praying in in Jesus name. Now maybe that praying in Jesus name is a better for the next topic we're going to probably talk about next next session, but the idea is that our faith makes a difference in how we live. Our belief makes a difference in how we live. It's like the uh message I was hearing not too long ago about somebody who said that they wanted $3 worth of God. You know, enough to just kind of say, I get a little taste of God, but not enough to truly make a difference in our lives. Believing in Jesus is not just a, a, a mental exercise. It's about putting our whole being into the whole concept of, of understanding Jesus Christ. And maybe we're going to get a little bit more into that after this uh, 
break here to have a word from our sponsor. And we're back with Reconciling Grace. Our panelists today include me, Pete Vecchi, Mick Wells, and Steve Wilson. And Mick, during the break, uh, you and I were kind of talking a little bit about some ideas that you had about belief, uh, the difference between believing in, believing on, and then something you said you'd like to share from Billy Graham. Okay, sure. Um, when we look at the, the question for our program this week, what does it mean to believe in Jesus, I was just thinking of how we have various translations of the scriptures out there, and sometimes people will place great significance or distinctions even in words like in and on and into, and I went out to just do some research on how John 3.16, for example, was translated. I went to the uh, <clears throat> interlinear version of John 3.16, and this is going to sound a little strange because we don't talk this way. Right, right. But um, the interlinear translates the Greek literally to say, everyone believing in him not should perish, but might have eternal life. And so the, the term in, believing in him, is what's mentioned here. And I thought, well, I wonder what the other translations say. I found that the vast majority of translations uh, read believes in him. Three translations uh, were worded as believes on. Uh, two translations changed believe to trust in. And one read believes into and put great significance on believing into uh, the... Uh, the fold, if you will, into uh, Jesus. Sure. So, um, but I, again, as we've talked in the first part of the program, Pete, I think the real significance is not to dissect it into in and on and into and all of that, but the, it's the truth, the principle that needs to carry forward and speak to our hearts. I believe that uh, when, we, when John 3.16 says, whosoever believes in him, we're talking about uh, believing in Jesus, the Son of God, unto salvation, uh, because, as uh, Steve pointed out, uh, for the love that God showed this world by making the sacrifice of the Son of God possible to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And I also, uh, as you mentioned, went out and took a look at some other resources, including... Uh, a quote from Billy Graham, and he was basically asked the same question, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? So the answer to that, he said, is based on how you would answer these kinds of questions, and I'll just throw this out here as representing what he said, and we can discuss it if you wish. Do you believe that Jesus is God in human form? And he's got scriptural references for that. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins? For which you deserve eternal separation from God. Do you believe that the sacrifice of Jesus, God incarnate, is the only adequate payment for your sins? And, you know, that's pretty deep. 
and that's that's a lot more than just acknowledging that Jesus was somebody history records walked the earth. Um, I found another section uh, on the internet that said, if I believe that Jesus is the son of God the same way I believe Vladimir Putin is the leader of Russia, have I fulfilled the conditions needed to be saved, or is there more to belief than that? And I think that's what Billy Graham aims at there. Sure, and you know, I wasn't necessarily thinking about going here, but Steve, this kind of segues into something that you shared with me earlier today about the fact that everybody is at a different place in their Christian walk. And, you know, to believe to a person who has a Master in Divinity from United Theological Seminary may be a whole lot different than it means to believe for the the person like me who was seven years old when I asked Jesus into my heart. Uh, is there anything you can uh, share with that, or, or did you have any other things that you'd like to share about what uh, Mick said or anything else? Well, you're right. Everyone is at a different point in their belief, and going back to James, where it says faith is dead without works, or without deeds, rather. Um, We know that believing in Jesus has to affect our life. It has to uh, affect the way that we think, the way that we act, the way that we speak, the way that we treat other people. But it's not a cut-and-dry blueprint, either. It's not, okay, I believe in Jesus, and so now, day one, the Holy Spirit is going to change this part of my life. And day two, he's going to change that part. And it's going to be the same for Pete, and it's going to be the same for Mick. We're, we don't learn things. We don't grow in the same areas uh, as other people do. The Holy Spirit works on us as individuals. And so one of the things we have to be careful about Uh, When we say, well, belief means this, we have to be careful that we are speaking in general terms. Uh, We're not kind of prescribing things for people. You know, we're not saying, well, it has to affect your life in this way at this moment. Um, We have to give people room to grow on their own. And... um, we have to be careful that we're not judging, but um, that doesn't mean that we can't help people along, can't uh, maybe offer some guidance, but it means that we have to have grace as people grow. I think that's a great point. I, I'm remembering a long time ago hearing a message um, from another preacher who shared about a situation that happened, I believe it was probably in the 1980s or 90s when this situation happened, where a young man had been being invited to church, being invited to church, being invited to church, and never came, never came, never came. But he was the roommate of a person who had grown up in the church, and the roommate kept inviting him. And one night he came to a revival service, and they said that the pastor gave the altar call at the end of the service and the the roommate who has the church background looked over to his friend and he was gone well where was he he was up at the altar and he said there was some kid at the altar who had 
again, 1980s, okay? Hair down to his shoulders. An earring in his ear with a chain long enough to attach to the ring in his nose. Tattoos all up and down his arms. Cuts in his jeans, just in the exact strategic places, which was the style back then. And this guy gets down on his knees at the altar and asks Jesus to save him. Asks, you know, for salvation. And what a wonderful testimony that was. And the preacher who was preaching this, I believe, may have even been the friend, and said that right after that kid got up from the altar, one of the older men from the congregation looked down on him from the platform and says, well... Now that you've gotten Jesus, I suppose you're going to be getting your hair cut. <laughs> and you want to talk about a grace killer. And, and I think, Steve, that that goes right. right along with the kind of thing that you were saying. We might grow in different uh, ways, different places. Uh, I, I, I'm remembering people in my ministry, in my life, who, um, you know, had all kinds of problems. And, you know, back, tw- especially 20 years ago or more, um, I'm Church of the Nazarene, and one of the big things that I learned about the Church of the Nazarene is I don't drink, I don't chew, I don't smoke, you know, whatever those things are. How did it go? I don't, I don't, go I don't with dance. Girls that do. Right, I don't dance, drink, smoke, or chew, and I don't go with girls who do. That's right. And um, I remember one time there was a, a really interesting situation with a family, uh, 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 people who were not married but had children together. And the man never professed Christ until a certain time. Praise the Lord, he asked Jesus into his life. And there were people who I would have known who have said, okay, now that this is going on, you have to make these two people quit living together because they're not married yet. I was like, yes, but... And then there were probably other people in there who were more worried about the fact that he hadn't quit smoking yet. (laughs) And I'm thinking, you know what? We need to let God work in these people's lives in his time rather than what I want him to work on in their lives. And that's part of that grace. But at the same time, behaviors will change Mm -hmm. if we truly believe because we let the Holy Spirit have control over us. And and what's so great about the Holy Spirit, what's so great about how God works in our lives, is he works in the ways that he knows need to be done, rather than what Mick thinks needs to be done in Pete's life, or what Steve thinks needs to be done in Mick's life. We all need to let go and let God and believe that he can do those kind of things. You know, Pete, I was thinking, too, that we're kind of talking around the concept of... Uh, progressive sanctification too and I don't know where you all want to go with something like that and maybe that's another program but I can tell you that uh, uh, I I agree with a lot of what Steve had mentioned about um, works people are at different stages and we're encouraged to come to Christ as we are when we give our lives to him and so who knows what baggage is there and how the Holy Spirit will help 
us to live a life that's pleasing to God. Uh, I grew up in a church that was extremely legalistic. In fact, I would venture to go so far as to say that uh, you could make a case the preacher didn't even prepare for his sermon, because I can remember services where the minister would get up, find a lady in the congregation with an open-toed shoe, and he would basically uh, condemn her the entire service for her open-toed shoes. It was like a, um, a topic of the moment. Uh, but it, it, that's what I was reminded of when you talked about people commenting about getting your hair cut and taking the ring out of your nose and, and, and things like that. Uh, I, I personally don't think any of that stuff is going to keep a, a true believer out of the kingdom. And uh, so I think there's a lot of responsibility on the church to represent God's attitude uh, toward getting right with him and letting the Holy Spirit change us over our years. So what we'd like to do here, I think, is maybe sum up a little bit. The question that we started with today is, what does it mean to believe? You know, what kind of belief does it need to be for somebody to be saved? Um, it sounds like we're we're pretty much in agreement on this one. I don't think that we're gonna you know have a lot of disagreement on on what we're gonna say today. But um, it seems to me that there is the idea of it's got to be more than just a an intellectual assent to Jesus, but we need to know and we need to believe in such a way that believing in Jesus will affect our lives. Um, Steve, do you have anything you'd like to add to that or? Sure. Well, we've talked about what belief is, and we've talked about um, kind of what comes out of belief, that being, you know, our actions and our attitudes. But I think there's a middle step there that I'll just kind of introduce real quickly, and that's the motivation. We believe, yes, and then we act, yes, but that middle step is why. Why are we acting this way? Why do we respond uh, in this way to this uh, set of beliefs that we've adopted? And I think it's, it goes back to love. You know, God said, or, or rather the, the gospel writer John said, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that we can believe in him and be saved. And when we allow that love, that expression of love, to change our life, um, that's when we know what faith is. That's when we know that we've really got it. We accept God's love, and then we allow ourselves or, or we take steps to return that love to Him. So that's kind of like what it means to believe in action as well as in intellectual assent, to put our, our faith, if you would, in action the way that that uh, the demons can't do. They they can't put their faith into action. They just say they believe in God, and they shudder. Well, there's no love there. Right, because of the motivation of love. And I think that goes back to even what John 3.16 said, that God so loved the world. We want to let his love flow into us and be so filled with his love that his love overflows from us and flows to other people. So our actions aren't being done 
so that we can prove that we know God or prove that we're saved, but it's a response to the love of God in our lives. I want to thank our panelists today who have been Mick Wells, Steve Wilson, and this is Pete Vecchi. And we're going to be closing out today's episode of Reconciling Grace. Remember that Reconciling Grace is going to be a weekly program. We hope that you'll join us again next time as our panel of church leaders discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. May God bless you. This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.